Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Spokane Hoopcast on iHeartRadio. Brought to you by Hooptown USA. Hosted by Bo Brock and Matt Santangelo. Welcome into the Spokane Hoopcast. Bo Brock, Matt Santangelo, hanging out here at the iHeart Media Studios just outside of downtown Spokane and hanging out a beautiful Friday. Thank you for tuning in. If it's your first time, we're going to talk some hoops. We're going to talk uh, all things Inland Northwest. We're going to get into some NBA playoffs. We're going to talk about a weird comparison for the Gonzaga Bulldogs at the NBA level, a, uh, a prominent talker as far as the sports community He's making an odd comparison for the Zags. And uh, we're just going to get into it. Also, a guy who's been around basketball for, what, three, four decades who is going to call it quits. Yeah. We're going to kind of uh, give our thoughts on Coach Mike Krzyzewski calling the 2021-2022 season his final one and his decision on who's going to replace him. We'll get into that conversation as well. The uh, HoopCast registration, it's now been open for less than a week as we record this. It opened up on Tuesday, June, yep, 1st, June 1st. And uh, already big yeah, results. Well, it's nice. So we've gotten off to a good start for HoopFest in uh, September 11th and 12th. We're really encouraging teams to get in early, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but primarily to guarantee your spot in HoopFest 2021. So that guaranteed registration deadline is the middle of July. So it runs from June 1st to the middle of July. Uh, and if you're in registered during that time, like I said, as it's named, you're guaranteed into HoopFest. And so registration's gotten off to a good start. Um, we were a little bit, uh, you know, cautious around with our new September dates around teams traveling into Spokane Mm -hmm. and a a big percentage of this first wave of registered uh, teams that have registered are actually from out of the area. So that's really encouraging. A lot of, uh, you know, a handful of Seattle teams, handful of Montana teams, um, even got, I think one from New Mexico, one from Cal, I mean, a couple from California. So, and this is typical for HoopFest, everyone, this is not news, but in this particular year, uh, we were really curious to see the, what that appetite would be to travel to Spokane for HoopFest. So it's great to see, um, that the HoopFest spirit is, is alive and strong and people are, uh, excited, um, to, you know, to get back on the streets in Spokane in September and, uh, and, and uh, kind of renew, um, uh, that HoopFest experience. If you're listening on Sunday on KQNT or Hooptown 101.5, we appreciate you tuning in. We record this on Friday, and this, it lives on, uh, of course, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you find podcasts from there on forward. Check out our previous episodes. But we're under the 100-day mark. It's 98 days uh, to HoopFest. Is there... Is there a free agent pool you can get into if you don't have a squad? Yeah, great question. So we actually do have a free agent pool. It's through our Facebook page, at Spokane HoopFest is the um, the handle. And it's a free agent forum. Uh, and on that, you can actually, you can kind of... It's almost like a dating app. You can kind of put your your profile in, you know, your experience, maybe the type of player or level that you're you're looking for, uh, and then it just allows for these people to kind of create these matches. I mean, it really is. It ultimately is a dating app. We should kind of start some. We should create a dating profile on some right. of these different apps and uh, um, swipe right, swipe yeah, left. exactly. Yeah. And so, um, 
but that's a great way to do it, and especially with this year again being in September. You know, your regular roster may not all be able to make this one. You know, for mm-hmm. for the because of the schedule change. So don't don't let that keep you from playing. Like sign up on the free agent forum. Um, you know, understand the spirit of the tournament. Yes, is to come out and compete, but it's also just to come out and have fun and and enjoy and gather in a, in a safe way and community, um, and you know, and use it for what it is. So maybe this year might be a, a kind of a roster shakeup um, that goes along with the date change. I'm gonna have to figure it out because I'm gonna have to spruce up my profile if that's <laughs> the case. Because look, I'm I'm unathletic, right? I'm a liability on defense, and I've got a horrible jumper. Do you think that anybody's going to pick me up? Well, but here's the thing about the <laughs> festival. I appreciate your honesty, but um, unlike in the dating world, you actually sandbag more in the sports world, right? <laughs> You're not very good. Not only am I, you know, not only am I short, I'm slow. Right. You know, like you kind of, and that, you know, ultimately turns into some decent athletes that kind of play that sandbag uh, approach to their um, skill level. So you never know what you're going to get. Uh, uh, but there are uh, going to be people looking for teams, and, and if you need one, please take a look at that Facebook forum page. I assure you, I'm not hustling anybody on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, speaking of this being a podcast, yeah, I know you're listening to it maybe on 590 KQNT or Hooptown 101.5, but we are just one of many former Gonzaga players or just Gonzaga-type podcasts out there, and yep. I thought that the Spokesman Review was very kind to kind of do a write-up on all the really incredible podcasts out there of course, Sack and Jack. You've got the perimeter now with Adam yep. Morrison. Then uh, you've got uh, the what was it? The um, the hoop commitment. Hit commitment. Mike Nielsen. Yeah, yep. Mike hoop Nielsen's got a teammate of mine, friend. Absolutely. Cool thing about podcasts is mostly like ours is just thirty minutes. So once you're done listening to our full library of podcasts. I mean, we encourage you to go check them out because yep. you know, we want you to be a well-rounded, uh, <laughs> you know, Gonzaga fan, basketball fan, and just uh, as far as the Inland Northwest, it's celebrated on many of them. So absolutely very cool, the Spokesman Review. Check it out. I think it's on the SWX website as yep. well. And uh, just it's it's exciting. I mean, to have content at your fingertips, ones you can just open up an app and you can listen to it in your headphones and you're good to go. You can hit listen to it on your way to work. It's just podcast is taking off we're excited to be just kind of in on the ground level of it and be a part of that community uh we're not rivals you know no we're not gosh gonna, no so. and we're all kind of have a unique twist you know yeah. like you know mike nielsen's for example the hoop commitment it's a kind of a, a combination of eat train and lead uh obviously nutrition training and and leadership and his is, is catered towards you know, at young athletes and coaches and parents. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam Morrison is going a completely different route. He's had some just a superstar lineup of guests. Um, you know, he doesn't pull any punches in his style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of get this kind of candid, raw, Adam Morrison-like, you know, yeah. perspective on things. And, and, of course, he's he has such great relationships with these guests that they really open up and share things as well. You know, you and I cover a lot more because we have mm-hmm. the, you know, obviously the relationship with Hoop Fest, um, Hoop Town, kind of just general basketball in our area. Um, you know, more of a maybe a community feel than just Gonzaga specific, um, and then we you know we talk some NBA and just talk mm-hmm. some trash too. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and Sack and Jack like they just have a blast. Like right. they're just they're kind of like just wild and free and big personalities, just like the two hosts are. Um, and so they each one has a, a, a bit of a different dynamic and a different feel. So by no means are there rivalries, and it is cool that that you have so many um, you know former players that have uh, stepped up in this way to express themselves through podcasting. Yeah, and it's great to have uh, just an ability to do that. And that's what podcasting's doing. And, and you know, they've got a, it sounds good. It's not like, hey, somebody's in their basement, yeah. you know, and they've got a, yeah. a $2 microphone and it's and it's rough. 
it's uh, it's all quality stuff, and we'll, I'm sure we'll reach out for some crossovers, and we'll probably get some yeah. of those hosts, if not all of them, on this very podcast. It's just a cool time uh, as far as content, and if you're a hoophead, uh, I suggest, I recommend you check them all out. Um, so just getting in some news and notes, kind of the portion yep. of this before we get into this this weird, you know, comparison for the Gonzaga basketball program on the NBA level. We have LeBron James knocked out last night, first time in his career that he's lost an opening series in in the playoffs. Yep, it's it's a pretty incredible stat. People were using that when you would make the comparison as far as Jordan versus LeBron. Yep. They always mention, well, LeBron's never lost. You know, first series. Now at the age of 36, his his Robin to his Batman was not healthy, and Anthony Davis. That's another conversation that I thought Charles Barkley on the broadcast for TNT, and they do an incredible job. Yep, he was, I mean, just blunt bluntly, he called Anthony Davis street clothes. That was his nickname for him <laughs> because Anthony Davis wears street clothes more often than he wears his NBA uniform, uh, which is hyperbole. But it's, I I don't know, I I kind of see that as a fair criticism, but just the LeBron. Yeah, conversation. I mean, any takeaways? Well, from my the- my biggest beef with this whole thing was the attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, just the lack of effort on plays. I mean, yeah, you were going to lose. That's no reason not to rotate on defense or to not get back in defensive transition, or you know, to not help your teammates up. You know, like he just his body language just didn't look like you know someone at his level. You know, just didn't look like the body language. And so I really struggle with that piece of his, you know, this first round. You know, clearly he's great. He's in the GOAT conversation. Um, but this didn't help him. No. You know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm Jordan. I'm in the Jordan camp. Yeah. So that, you know, this is another nail in the coffin as to why, you know, Jordan will be untouchable for me. And knowing that there's a lot of people in the LeBron camp, too. There are two things that can be true at the same time. One, LeBron James is an incredible career, probably the second best career of any individual player in that the league's ever seen. But Michael Jordan, 6-0 in final appearances, just what he did, his resume, it's unmatched in my opinion. But, you know, LeBron James, absolutely, it was uh, reminiscent of his final First stint with the Cavs yep, yep. when they were just blown out. I think it was by the Celtics, yep. and he just wasn't. He was. You could tell he was already out of there, and the season wasn't over. So, and in this Lakers team, they can use all the excuses they want. Injuries, you know, the long run that they had in a unique season in the bubble the previous year, and that they just ran out of gas. But I mean, they were just they weren't the better team. That yep. was the you know it's pretty plain and simple as far as that series went. And now he he doesn't have that anymore that uh, trump card over yep, yep. over Michael Jordan. So it's true. And I always like you know we, we tend to focus on 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 some of the challenges around sports, but we got to give credit. I mean Devin Booker, oh my god, forty seven in a closeout game, yeah. killer. You know. Yeah. So I think I think you know it, it is one thing that LeBron loses and Lakers lose, um, but ultimately they lost because Phoenix was better, as you said, and yeah. and they showed up to play all series long. And when it was t- t- time to to put the Lakers out to pasture you know Devin Booker stepped up and had a monster uh, performance he's kind of been a sleeping giant there a guy that uh, I think he wasn't even I don't even know he, he was 18 I think when he got in the league so he's still really really young yep. but he's just been talk about irrelevant for the last decade that's the Phoenix Suns they haven't made the postseasons really since Steve Nash exited that uh, that organization and now and Chris Paul comes and transforms it and that's yep. the, that's the true leadership there that you're looking for Guys, that's not going to – I mean, Paul has got his own, like, injury history during the postseason, but he battled through his own shoulder injury for them to kind of get where they, they've been. Look, this is the team that had the second-best record yep. in the in the league, only to behind the Utah Jazz, which 
we'll bring up right now. It might as well. It's a, just a perfect transition. So I, Colin Coward, I was reading, I was actually just looking up, Googled, uh, you know, the Gonzaga basketball program. This article came up because I didn't hear it live. Colin Coward does a national sports uh, radio show, and he's calling the Utah Jazz the Gonzaga basketball of the NBA. <laughs> now, here, here's his, uh, I guess, this is his reasoning. He says, because the Utah Jazz, since 1995, they are only behind the San Antonio Spurs for the most wins in the league. There's the Spurs are number one, Jazz are number two, the Lakers, and then the Heat. But if you if you remember, I mean, the Jazz had two finals appearances during that stretch. Yep. That's when they just ran into a buzzsaw that was the Chicago Bulls. Yep. So it's not like they didn't make it all the way to the... The, nearly to the finish line and they get knocked off by the goat. Yeah, ironically, being you know headed in that charge was a Gonzaga bulldog, named right. John Stockton. Exactly. So this is there's some multiple <laughs> ties in this uh, uh, reference by Colin. Yeah, he said Gonzaga. This is a quote: "Was within a basket of winning in 2017, and now they're 31 and one. All people talk about is the one game that defines them. That's the Utah Jazz. Until we see it, we just can't buy it. I just." I just think that that's the zero-sum game that some some of these talking heads play where I'm not going to live in that world. I, I don't think it takes away. It doesn't discredit what Jerry Sloan did, a legendary coach for Utah. Yep. They're Hall of Fame players, like you mentioned, Stockton, Malone. And now what this team has done with Spider... Uh, who, Mitchell. Yeah, Spider yep. Mitchell and, and Rudy, Rudy Gobert and the just the rave talent they have on that team. I just think it's a market thing. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm just convinced of it. You know, L.A. can struggle through, but it's L.A., so we pay attention. The Clippers have been, you know, halfway into a train wreck all year long, <laughs> yeah. and, like, that's still interesting because it's L.A. You know, basketball is better when New York's better. You know, it was fun to have the Knicks in the playoffs, even though they didn't have a great first-round performance against Atlanta. But it's Salt Lake City. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's Spokane, Washington. Like, right. it's not a, a big market. And so then you, you start to have these successes – um, and you just don't see them enough. It's Devin Booker and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You just don't see them enough on a nightly basis like you see these larger market teams to really appreciate their greatness until you get to the point where it's the end of the season, it's playoffs, there's less. I mean, it's now they're on every night, you see them, and you're starting to go like, gosh, these, this team is good. Oh, they've been good for a long time. Oh, but they've never won anything. So right. like, just dismiss them. And so I think it's just a, it's a lack of ability to consume any more media mm-hmm. because Frankly, we're all bursting at the seams on on consumption um, and the fact that we just don't see these teams very often to really see their success and excellence day in and day out. And it's, they have stars, no doubt about it. Rudy Gobert has won the Defensive Player of the Year Cup multiple times. Spider Morrison, uh, he he's, he didn't he come he came from a good college, obviously Louisville, yep. but he wasn't he wasn't a star in the college ranks in, in Louisville, even though they had a national title that I think they vacated recently, uh, and he wasn't a part of that team. They don't. They don't have the notoriety of the Duke, the North Carolinas, yep. and stuff like that. So they've got these under the radar, just players and coaches. Quinn Snyder is one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA. It's just you're right. And then there's the East Coast bias that I think goes yeah. into it. And people, unless you're the Los Angeles Lakers and somehow the Clippers now, you're not getting the notoriety that yeah. you deserve. Or Golden State because they were yeah. so dominant. You couldn't not. You know. Yeah. You know. But even I mean San Antonio with the you mentioned them with the wins, obviously down these last couple of years, but. They're, again, smaller market. You just don't hear about them as much, even though you cannot argue their success and excellence because yeah. they've even won at the you know the biggest stage at the NBA championship. So it's just a it's an old, tired narrative. <laughs> we got to do better out here in uh, media land well, of me, of defining what success looks like. Well, let me ask you this: Is it do you take the comparison? And you say, hey, I actually 
I think it's fine. They can be the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and a little bit yes, because I almost, my whole thing was Phil Mickelson as a golfer. Phil Mickelson could not win a major, right? He could not win a major, could not win a major. So he was this guy that he was, he's likable. He clearly one of the world's best golfers, you know, but he couldn't win a major, couldn't win a major. And then all of a sudden he won his first major. And then everyone kind of looked at their, his career and going like, Oh my gosh, this guy's really good at golf. This is crazy. And like he's been good for his entire career. Yeah. This one validating point doesn't change that he was, I don't know how many it was, it was four times in second place, you know, five times in third place. Like mm-hmm. he was in the in in the money, in the game every single time he, he touched a golf club. I think that you know, I kind of claimed that that was what was going to happen with Gonzaga basketball when they win a national championship is that all of a sudden all these people that can't look past this one defining point are going to look at the body of work and go, dang, that program is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the same with the Jazz. Is like their body of work speaks for itself, but until for that 50% of the people where that one defining uh, factor is all that matters, until they have that one defining factor, they're not going to get the actual you know overall respect that they deserve. The last two regular seasons, they have one loss combined. You know, they, they didn't get to play, obviously, in the pandemic. The tournament, it's canceled. And then this past season, they run into a buzzsaw because at the NCAA tournament, this is why we love it. And this is why it's, you know, you're so vulnerable because all it takes is one. You run into a buzzsaw that is the Baylor yep. Bears, unfortunately. Yep. You know, it, the fact that they, they continually put themselves in this position, it's only, you know, putting this narrative and like and just pushing it out there even more so. Yep. Is that going to, are you, are you concerned that that could put this, especially a program that's going to have a lot of youngsters on it, three guys coming into the program yep. with a lot of, um, I guess, uh, you know, they're all five-star guys, including yep. Chet Holmgren. Uh, you know, is it, could they press a little bit, you think? Could it cause that? I think the beauty of being young. <laughs> yeah, ignorance is bliss, yes. right? It's a little bit of naivete. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't think so. I also think it kind of puts some some fuel in their tank, at mm-hmm. least for the players. For the coaches, they probably feel a little more. The administrators, you know, some of the fans that have been around, there's probably a little sense of, um, you know, trying to squeeze it too tight, you know, keep yeah. keep protect it too much. Um, but I think for the players, uh, you know, each group and where Gonzaga's always done a nice job is that it's been an ode to a generation previous to it. So, like, the fact that this year's group, you know, did run into a wonderful uh, Baylor team and couldn't get that national championship, I think next year's group wants to do it on behalf of this year's group. And, you know, last year's group wanted to do it on behalf of the, you know, the previous. And so I think there is that that continuity and that, uh, you know, extra motivation, inspiration, because you want to – you want to be the first one to break through, mm-hmm. um, and so and you. But you don't want you want to do it for yourself, obviously. But you're also doing it for something greater than yourself. And I think that's kind of a, a character quality of GU uh, basketball that's been around and team in general. That's not even unique to GU. GU's just done it really, really well over the past you know two plus decades. Is it? Do you think it's tough to keep things in perspective when you you've reached nearly the for mi- fans? Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. But a few years ago, they were everyone was calling for Coach Few's head. Are you kidding me? Was that, like, oh my gosh, he locally. Yeah, he couldn't win in March. You know, wow. all the, the whole all the narrative, like we all kind of fell for it. Not all, but a, a majority of people and local people fell for it um, a little bit too. And so, uh, really, really unfortunate uh, because obviously that's not the case. You know, mm-hmm. and it has been proven time and time again the quality of his coaching um, and the quality of the program he runs. But there was there is that narrative that we'll never be able to do it. And I think he's he's knocked down that barrier. Like Gonzaga yeah. will do it and can do it. Um, but for a couple of years, though, you know, we we all kind of fell victim to that national narrative of like you don't play anybody. 
We don't care if you're beating the school of the blind. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if what's going on in the West Coast Conference. You can't win in March. And, you know, we've changed that narrative quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and so this is the last, again, the last data point that people can point to and be like, I don't have any respect for them because they can't win the national championship. It's the last, you know, the pinnacle of the mountain. Oh, and two in the championship. That's mm-hmm. all, you know, sometimes people look at it. The, the, the winless, I guess you could call it, yep. if you want to paint it a different Different way. I want receipts though. Who who the who are the knuckleheads calling for? Yeah, I mean, it was like you'd be out there in the public. I mean, I get in these conversations often, right? I'm out in the community often. I'm clearly tied to basketball in a significant way, both Gonzaga and the broader, you know, community basketball with Hoop Fest and and what we're trying to do with the Hoop Town initiative. Um, and so the, you know, these conversations happen pretty regularly, and it's not they're not happening now, mm-hmm. and they haven't happened for several years. Uh, but there was a time where um, there was there was questions around their ability to really perform a march. Again, the national narrative came to our own backyard, um, and I mean, the and then you start to kind of talk with people like, what is your expectation? To your question, original question of like, what's the expectation? Mm-hmm. Is the expectation national championship or nothing? Like that's yeah. not fair for anybody. That's not fair for Duke, Kentucky. I mean, that's not fair for the the bluest of the blue bloods. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and trying to really understand the joy and impact that having a Gonzaga basketball does for our community and the fact that Gonzaga basketball is not what it is without that coaching staff and Coach Few leading it. Is it fair to, to look at this current group or this, this upcoming group, 2021-2022, as a result of that, of trying to get to that mountaintop to break through that glass ceiling that people perceive the Gonzaga Bulldogs to have? Well, I think so, because I, I think if you look at the the history of it, you knew you had you had groups before us and then our group, pretty much Northwest kids. I mean, we had a little mm-hmm. bit of international influence. We had Axel Dench, and our group was from Australia, Quinton Hall from the Bahamas. But the rest of us were pretty much uh, really the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, and then various levels of recruiting and walk on and just a, a, a good mix of people who who came to GU and you know grew together and got better and 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 were was able to go out and compete and have success, but then each group after that. So after that, they really um, you know it was kind of some transfers. You know the Earl Knights, the Dan Dickows, you know mm-hmm. Jeff Brown before us from UW um, that kind of went somewhere and then came back to GU. Um, you know, and then the international influence because they couldn't even get into the living rooms of the, you know, three, four, five star American athletes. Mm-hmm. So then the international influx came and we all know the history there. Just dominant players. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable. We went from point guard you to power forward you, you know. <laughs> And then, so then you start to get into some of those, uh, you know, those living rooms of those three, four, five star American athletes, um, and you started to get one. You had one that had, you know, said, "Yeah, I can do that." You yeah. Know? And yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, and so now it just, but it's been this long kind of um, uh, growth mm-hmm. that you can look at each step along the way because it is an overnight success. Um, yet the history is all right here. Like it's in these last two decades. We've all been fans for most of it, you know? And so um, it's really interesting to watch the growth and it, the, it, there's no blueprint because if there were, you know, everyone, I know everyone's trying to create that, um, but no one's had success like GU at, at kind of continuing to grow and evolve and change and morph um, and then make the most of the, the roster and the talent that's on campus come fall. Yeah, you can see the development, and then you just kind of have some flash in the pan. And I say that I don't; it's not an indictment on Baylor. It's just you haven't seen the progression play out in front of your very eyes, like we have for two decades with, with the Zags. Yeah, you know. And, yep. and but that's the thing—the beauty, or also the kind of downfall of the NCAA tournament—is if is you just got to at some point you have to just beat one team, and that Baylor was in their way. 
Yep, and I, I think too, like you, you, it, just the fact that it was Baylor Gonzaga were, hand, I mean, head and shoulders above the. They were the best yeah. two teams in college basketball, yes. like from from day one until the, even until the national championship game, and so. Let me just say that again. Gonzaga and Baylor were the two best teams in college basketball. Not Michigan State, not Duke, not Kansas. Not... So just the the landscape of college basketball is changing. I would give a lot of credit to that to Gonzaga mm-hmm. that they morphed how you know what can be done from schools. And then you know again, this is a you know an old talking point, but the fact that Coach Few said we can do it from here mm-hmm. and didn't leave, didn't go to greener pastures, bigger budgets, bigger schools, power yeah. conferences. He said, no, why can't we do it from right here? And then the university backed him up and said, yeah, why can't we? And mm-hmm. then boosters and benefactors and resources said, yeah, why can't we? And they they put the money where the mouth was to be able to build these facilities and and create the recruiting tools that are necessary. So it is a, a pretty remarkable kind of once in a generation, once in a sports generation phenomenon that we get to experience, you know, throughout the year, every single day. It's just the same as, you know, nobody would have believed that Lawrence, Kansas was a place you were going to build, you know, a huge program or Durham, North Carolina, or Bloomington, uh, Indiana, yep. like, were these traditional powers. I mean, it, it took a group of people believing and it took one person kind of instilling that belief in all the, of those people because those aren't destination. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went to a school, you know, in Tempe, Arizona. If you were going on the campus, you would see that it's beautiful. And you're like, well, how come they can't, how come they don't dominate? How uh-huh. come they're not up there with the USC's as far as football and basketball? How come they can't get over the hump? And it's it's because it, there's not a full-on, like, buy-in yes. to it. And there's it, too much going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like why why go take batting practice if you can go sit you know walk down through downtown right. Tempe and enjoy the you know sights and sounds I mean I always West Coast Conference but like if my option is to go to Malibu and go to the beach or mm-hmm. go to the gym in the winter and work on my jumper <laughs> yeah like you're that's a decision right in Spokane it's not a decision you're going to the gym because that's where the heat is the <laughs> lights are on like you have something to do in the winter mm-hmm. um, and that's why you know people develop because you you take away some of those other distractions and yeah. so you, it becomes your uh, not only is it your your you know your job and you know your priority when as being a student athlete um, but it becomes your outlet as well it's your social outlet it's your you know activity outlet it's your board so you go shoot Jays like yeah. it just you get better that way when you're in the gym. So real quick, it's kind of hard to think that at one point, you know, Duke was getting pressure to fire Coach Shashevsky. Yeah. Coach K yeah. now, he announced it. He's going to uh, retire after next season, 2021-2022. John Shire, former player. I think he's 33 years old. He's yeah. going to be his successor. Uh, in, in only a few minutes here, because we're up against it, can you uh, kind of describe what your thoughts are on Coach K's legacy? Yep. So I mean he I think he changed the way he changed he changed the way college basketball was coached how it was played um what success looks like for a program um sustained excellence uh I mean he is he's legendary yeah. I mean as much as um that all kind of pains me to say cuz I'm not a huge Duke <laughs> fan but you got it I mean 100% respect and admire what he's accomplished I love that he's in it and it's not a surprise probably the way he chose to announce it the way he chose to create the timeline and the fact that they already have his, his the successor in place like I just it's just classy it just mm-hmm. takes the drama out of it you know they're giving an opportunity to a young player who grew up in the Duke program uh, now young will be a young head coach there's no drama Hollywood's you know like who's going to be the next person yeah. you know revolving door of college sports and coaching 
I just think it it just it's fitting yeah. for the way he uh, uh, you know has has handled himself throughout his career um, that he chose this type of graceful way to exit his yeah. career. Yeah, I mean, it might seem anticlimactic, but it, it, it's for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's not it's right. It's not to you know incite drama or you know headlines it, it was done within you know the next couple hours we knew yeah. who was going to take over the program and i wouldn't be shocked if uh you know down the line i'm saying very far down the line when mark feud decides to step aside it could be very similar i would think so yeah. i think there's a lot of lot of similarity in character and personality uh between these two and they don't want it there it's never yeah. been a they've become the show but they i don't think they've ever really wanted it to be about it's never been about them it's mm-hmm. about the basketball the athletes, the organization, the program. And so I think Coach Few, and I think the great thing about Coach K is he sets that example for the next this next generation of coaches that will retire, you know, the ones mm-hmm. that are getting up in age, the Tom Izzo's of the world, the Coach Few, he's still pretty young, but this next mm-hmm. generation of the the veteran coaches, um, he sets that example of this is this is a way you, you can do this too. Yeah. You know, you can say, hey, next year, and this is the successor. We're going to set him up for success. And and because ultimately he wants his legacy, that the fact that the Duke program continues to get better and grow and not just fall apart because Coach K is no longer on the sideline. Like that's – that's not. Um, I don't think that would give him as much satisfaction as seeing uh, that program get better. Mm-hmm. You know, after he's gone, we will see what happens with that program with Shire taking over in a season. You've got a new coach in North Carolina, and uh, is it uh, Davis Hubert Davis yeah. is taking over there for Roy Williams? There's just, like you said, the, the landscape is changing. But one thing you can rest assured on is Mark Few is the head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, <laughs> and. They just keep rolling on. Thank you for tuning in to Spokane Hoopcast. We appreciate it. Subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Follow along or, uh, of course, leave a review and leave a rating. If you're listening on Hooptown 101.5, thank you, or 590 KQNT. We'll be back with a brand-new episode of the Hoopcast next week. Make sure to register your team if you want to take part, of course, in this fall's uh, Spokane Hoopfest, spokanehoopfest.net. Matt, have a great weekend, man. You too. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.